0: Uh, so we're going to continue on uh, talking, uh, as we did last week, a little bit about unity. What brings us together as a community? Uh, what unites us? What centers us as a as a group of people? And, and if you'll remember, we talked a little bit about this diagram. Uh, we talked about our church as uh, not really a bounded set with a firm wall around it, but with as a community where there are believers and unbelievers who are part of us, uh, disciples all oriented around getting to know Jesus better and connecting with him and uh, uh, really having these lost and the, and the disciples mixed. And we talked a lot last week about that arrow, about what it means to, uh, to hold in tension our value on being a gathered community of worship. And on the other side, being a community of mission. And how do both those things really inform each other? Uh, how do we be uh, a community that really values our, our time together in the way that uh, our, our worship life is actually transformative and actually prepares us for the mission to go out? If, if, if we try to do just mission and social justice, but we don't have a worship life, uh, that mission becomes hollow. It becomes empty because it's not filled with Jesus. It doesn't work. But if we try to do a worship life as a community without being engaged in mission, then, then worship just becomes boring for us and, and dull because we don't have anything awesome to celebrate. And so we just talked about that sort of need to be living in both this devotional life, this seeking after Jesus as a community, as a corporate gathered entity, uh, and and a community that's involved in mission and that's out there Uh, doing it and and by that we mean every single person in this church called to reach out and bring the love and light of Jesus to their friends so that's sort of where we focused last week but I thought I was really I I mean you can't do everything in one sermon but what I felt like the missing thing to really preach about and to really uh, bring to us was was another piece of this diagram and that's this just teeny tiny little piece right here um this person, Jesus. Who is this person, Jesus? And, and what is it about him that we're centered on? I mean, we, we, uh, because of the way we preach and the way we teach, uh, we'll teach through the Gospels and we'll look at one little piece of his life here and another little piece there and a verse or two here and a verse or two there. Uh, we, we don't often take the whole person of Jesus and try even in a sermon. I mean, it's even impossible to do in a sermon. We, we we, don't really take that whole picture of that person, Jesus, and just lift him up in our community. And that's just what I want to do this morning, is I just want to lift up the person, Jesus, and help us see him and know him and understand why Lifting him up and sharing his story with the world is, is our mission, is our absolute unifying factor. It's the thing that centers us, it's the thing that guides us, it's the thing that fuels us. It's absolutely everything to us, this person Jesus. So what does that mean? How does this person Jesus um, change the world around us and how does he change us? I'm going to start right here. In John uh, chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that had been made. The first way we know Jesus is as the creator. The first way we know Jesus is as the creator. Uh, This image is an image from the Hubble telescope. It's a tiny, tiny little part of one constellation. What was basically a black spot in space without any stars, filmed with uh, the Hubble uh, telescope to see what was behind the blackness that we couldn't see. And these are galaxy after galaxy after galaxy after galaxy. Millions and millions of galaxies that aren't visible to our eye. Uh, Just to give us a sense of the incredible breadth of the power of the creator God. But what does knowing Jesus as a creator do for us as people? What does that do for society? How does that transform uh, the world we're living in? How does that transform this high school? How does that transform your workplace? Well, knowing that Jesus is the creator God who, who made everything uh, does two really important things for us. One, it, it puts an absolute end uh, to war and competition in the world. There are so many wars and so many battles fought over place Uh, and that happens on a global scale, that happens on a local scale over property ownership, over uh, uh, rental agreements, over low rent income, there is this thing of space and geography. And we fight over it as humans, and we battle over it as humans, and we need to understand that Jesus made every square inch of it. He made every square inch of it. You can worship Jesus on Mount Zion in Israel, you can worship Jesus on Mount Kilimanjaro, you can worship Jesus on Mount McKinley, you can worship Jesus on Mount Everest. You can worship Jesus in the reverse mountains, in the depths of the sea. That he is everywhere. He is a creator God who is absolutely everywhere. As we as Christians come to understand that Jesus made everything, it puts an end to competition because we own nothing. And our society is transformed as people come to know him and people come to understand that we own nothing that he owns everything, he made everything, and what flows from that is that he provides everything. And knowing Jesus as creator should in our hearts and should in the hearts of our society as his name is lifted up and as his kingdom advances and as more and more people get to know him should absolutely put an end to competition and greed because we are fighting over things that aren't our own. We're fighting over things that aren't ours. So so this is just this the fundamentals of, of our theology as people who are followers of Jesus is this understanding that he owns everything, he made everything, he provides everything. We have nothing, we own nothing. We are all a part of him. We belong to him. And it, and, and competition and fear and war and fighting ends in the world if that story gets known and gets understood. That beginning part of the Jesus story, him as creator God, transforms the world in that way. But that's not all there is to Jesus. In Luke 2.7, we have the story of his incarnation. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for him, for them. We have Jesus in a manger. We have now a God who created the whole universe and holds it all in the palm of his hand, and yet who entered into it to be near it, to be inside of it, to be near you, to be Emmanuel, God with us. We're going to celebrate that this Christmas, the God who is with us. And what does that do for our society as our society we pray from the grassroots comes to fall in love with this person, Jesus? What does knowing him as the incarnate God do for us? What does that do for our society? Well, it puts an end to loneliness. It puts an end to the idea that God is distant and fearful and unknowable it puts an end to this idea that we struggle through life by ourselves. This God who was born in this barn 2,000 years ago, as much as he was born physically in that place and in that space and in that time, longs to be born in our hearts, right? He longs to be alive at the very core, at the very center of who you are. Uh, This piece theologically of who is Jesus tells you that God wants to have relationship with you. The whole idea of religion that we are to be transcendent, that we are to go from this place that we are to somehow reach to that place where God might be, ends in the incarnation and we find a God who reaches down to where we are. He reaches out to us. It puts an end to striving. It puts an end to religion. It puts an end to fear. It puts an end to everything that we do to try to make God love us and make God like us because while we were still sinners, He first loved us and was born into the world for us. For me, that was uh, really the most transformative moment in my life as a young Christian boy, 16 years old, 17 years old, uh, thinking maybe I should open this Christmas story and, and read this thing about Jesus and having Him enter into my room in a way that was tangible and powerful, and all of a sudden my Baptist God who was in the hymnal and who was in the Bible and who was at church on Sunday mornings was God who was in my room and God who was in my heart. That transforms my life and that transforms every life we encounter as we tell that story and they meet the Jesus who is the incarnate living God, who is God with us. It's about relationship. That transforms the world, but that's not all that Jesus is. John 17, verse 25 to 26 says this, Father, you are the one who is good. The world does not know you, but I know you. And these people know that you sent me. I showed them what you were like. I showed them what you were like. John fourteen nine: anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus not only comes to be God who is near us, he comes to tell us who that God is. In the character of Jesus, in the miracles that he's performed, in the compassion that he shows when he heals the sick, in the story of the Sermon on the Mount, in the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, Uh, blessed are the meek of the earth. Uh, We see a Jesus who is kind and who is gentle and who is compassionate and who is loving. Every little piece of Jesus' character Uh, Shows us the character of the Father because Jesus is God and God is Jesus. He is one. Let's not leave out the Holy Spirit. We're Trinitarian here. We've, We've seen Jesus, we've seen the Father. So now we know the nature of that God. We know the nature of that God we serve. We know that He loves the poor, we know that He cares for the poor. What does that do for us as a society? Well, that, that verse we looked at earlier, God, I know that you're good. We're, we're bringing good news. We're, we're showing people a God who is kind, a God who is good, uh, a God who is not a giant policeman in the sky, a God who is not like me when I'm really grouchy at my kids, a God who loves us and cares for us, a God who is a father, a God who is kind. A God who is gentle, and not only does He show us what God is like, He transforms us into His likeness. First Corinthians three, seventeen to eighteen. Now the Lord is spirit, and <coughs> where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who, with unveiled faces, behold the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We are transformed into his image. So not only do we know what this God is like, not only do we know that he is good and we know that he is kind and know that he is gentle and know that he is loving and know that he's compassionate. I mean, again, compassionate Jesus who who we have have words in the Greek describing his reaction to pain and suffering as like a yearning in his guts to fix it. Like, ah! He had compassion on them. Not only do we know that that's who he is, but we have in seeing him and in knowing him uh, the power of the Holy Spirit to transform us into his likeness. And we see this in, in teaching on the Holy Spirit in Galatians Uh, on the fruit of the Spirit, joy, love, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control, gentleness, and faithfulness. And to make that shape of a pair, they had to alter the order. That's so wrong. For anyone who's ever been to Sunday school, that's terrible. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. And all of a sudden, this incredible character that Jesus is transforms us. Now, what if we become more and more transformed into these uh, aspects of his character? What if our friends become transformed into those aspects of his character? What if the mayor becomes transformed? What if the council becomes transformed? What if the property owners in Carlton Place become transformed? What if the business owners become transformed as we share the story? What if the teachers and the principals of this school become transformed into his likeness by the going forth of the good gospel of Jesus Christ from this place? Then there is an end to bullying, there is an end to uh, poverty, there is an end to everything. The absolute center of our mission is to see this transformation that Jesus wants to bring to his society. And this transformation is brought uh, by us modeling the goodness of the kingdom, but by us introducing people to this person, Jesus, who transforms us. We can, uh, I I am so about us being out in the community and serving and, and social justice and us doing those things, but those have to flow from this knowledge of Jesus and who he is. And it has to have this goal of seeing him introduced to people and in relationship with people and transforming people. Otherwise, everything we do is band-aid after band-aid after band-aid after band-aid. The problem with our society is not all of these issues, poverty, uh, addiction, disease, those things aren't the problem with our society. The problem with our society is that it does not know Jesus. It does not know Jesus and that is our mission as a church. That is our mission as a church, but that's not all that Jesus is. John chapter 1, 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. So not only do we have a God who transforms us, his agenda is to change us. His agenda is to make us someone new. His agenda is to make us something different. His agenda is to make us the agents of his kingdom in society. But not only that, is he makes us a part of his family. We are his children. We are his children. We are part of a family. We are part of one another. Uh, I am a part of you, and you are a part of me. Uh, we are not slaves. We're not slaves to his agenda, but we are heirs of Christ. We're adopted into his family and, and made to have ownership in his mission with him. We're not sent out and transformed as, as slaves to him, but we're, we're sent out and transformed and transformed as his family, as his kids. And what does this do for our society? This puts an end to loneliness. For every person you know that doesn't belong, for every person you know that doesn't fit, for every time you as a person have not felt like you belonged or have not felt like you fit. Objectively, by the power of God, by who he is, by your faith in him, you fit. You belong. Because you know and follow this person, Jesus. You belong to him. You are one of his children. And an end to every person in this school who is here, going to be here on Monday morning when the bell rings and is sitting by their locker and nobody talks to them. Jesus wants you to sit with them and wants to sit with them to every person who's an outcast in your workplace who doesn't seem to fit who doesn't seem to get along jesus wants you to call them and speak to them and invite them into this family that you're a part of so that they will belong and so that they will not be alone anymore that's what it means to become sons and daughters of the living god you belong but that's not all that Jesus is. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 1 Peter 2.24, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to Righteousness. And by his wounds you have been healed. This Jesus died on the cross for you. He died on the cross for your sins. And for my sins. For everything I've stolen from another person emotionally and relationally. Uh, For all of that guilt that's on me, for every mistake I've made, for every person I've hurt, for every sin that's been done by me and been done against me. Jesus sees that there is justice done for that on the cross. He does not just forget. He does not just cast it aside. He is a God who is both loving and just, and in his love for me, he takes the penalty for my sin upon himself. He is the judge who sits at the center of the courtroom and with his gavel pronounces guilty as charged and sentences himself to serve my time, to set me free to live for him, to set me free from my sin, to set me free from my brokenness. That's the Jesus we see. And what does that Jesus do to transform our society? How much is done out of guilt and shame and fear? How many have been wounded and broken uh, by, by sexual predators, by, uh, by uh, relationships that have been unhealthy, by, uh, by theft against them, by by the ways that we as human beings hurt one another, how many of us are held back by that? How many of us are, are bound by those chains? This Jesus breaks those chains and sets you free. He breaks those chains and sets you free to live for him by what he's done on the cross. And I remember that first moment. For myself as a little kid in a Baptist camp in northern Saskatchewan. And I remember what that first taste of freedom felt like when I invited him to come and live in my heart. And all the stuff, even at, at, as a seemingly innocent 12 year old, that I knew I was on the hook for the kids I'd bullied, the kids I'd hurt. I knew that he'd set me free from the weight of those things. Because he loves me. But that's not all that Jesus is. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. 1 Corinthians 15:52 in an instant in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed So not only are we set free from our sin, not only are we transformed to live in the world and be the agents of his kingdom out in that space, out in this place, to be those who tell his story, to be those who proclaim the good gospel of Jesus out in the world, not only are we transformed like that, not only are we set free from our sins, but we live forever with him. Forever and ever and ever and ever, with transformed bodies Raised imperishable to live with Jesus. To celebrate Him. To worship Him. Because He rose from the dead. And He conquered death. And what does that do for our society? How much hurt, how much damage, how much fear, how much pain has there been in the world because of our fear of death? Because we fear dying. How much have we spent to preserve our lives? How much have we not done for the kingdom of God because we've wanted to hoard life and strength and energy and resource to ourselves uh, maybe just to preserve our lives that extra year, that extra day, that extra month uh, and not spend our lives on the kingdom because we're simply afraid of death. This sets us free to live. To know that whatever happens here however we live here, however we end up dying, that life eternal awaits for us. There's nothing to stop you from preaching Jesus' story, from demonstrating Jesus' story, from telling Jesus' story. And when you put all of these things together, you have someone that we can unite around. You have someone that must be lifted up in our community. You have someone that, that can't just be for us uh, a Sunday morning person with whom we touch base once a week. He can't just be that person that we see in our devotional lives when we work 15 minutes in listening to a podcast in the car on the way to work. He can't be just that person that we have boxed and compartmentalized into a tiny part of our lives. This Jesus who is the creator who provides everything we need. This Jesus who is the incarnate son who is near us and who wants to dwell in our hearts. This Jesus who uh, reveals to us the character of God. This Jesus who transforms us into his likeness. This Jesus who brings us into his family This Jesus who died for our sins and this Jesus who rose from the grave has to be every breath we breathe and every word we speak. He has to be our all in all, in all, in all. And so the question comes for you. And the question comes for me again and again every day. Will you receive him? Will we receive him? Will we receive this Jesus? Let's stand up. For every person in this room who has debated and wrestled with is this Jesus someone I can trust, someone I can believe in, someone I can follow? Would you call them to yourself in this moment? Would you save some this morning? For each one here who hasn't made that final commitment to invite you into their heart, To trust in you to forgive them for their sins. Would you pour out your love this morning? Would you pour out your love? Would you knock on the door of their hearts? If that's you, would you just pray this little prayer after me? Jesus, I invite you into my life. I I need you. I have sinned. I have hurt. And I have such great need, Jesus. I accept you as my Savior, I accept you as my friend. And for everyone here who has got you in a box, and and that is me, I am the worst of those. Would you be our every breath? Would you be every word we speak in our community? Would you be every song we sing? Would you be our mission? Would you be our guide? Would you be at the center of our thoughts, the center of our hearts? Would we be a people? Would we be a community that will lift you up? We would lift you up, Jesus. Be lifted up in our lives, Lord Jesus. Be lifted up. Be so much more than we've let you be. Call us to this gospel, to demonstrate it and to preach it. And would you transform our society? Would the church not be something that's hiding its head in the sand, something that is waiting for something to happen? Everything that's needed to happen has happened in you. Would you send us out with this good news? with this relationship. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 God bless you.